0: topsy turvy week in Tylehurst ends with Reading picking up three points, one win and one loss against some relegation rivals. No Ben today to break it all down. He's missed a couple, but instead we've got the wonderful Ryan Jeffress. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm good, Ross. How are we? Doing, uh, doing pretty Well, Ryan, what's your I'm thinking about uh celebrations, you know, at the moment for for some reason. We got to see two goals yesterday. What's your what's your favorite celebration in the world of football right oh. now? And I can give you some time to think if you need. I'm um, very much a fan of the Jude Bellingham uh, lean yeah. back at the moment. No, 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 it's,
1: I would the say. it's the Harvey nibs these days. We can't call it the Jude Bellingham. Sorry,
0: nibs. you're right, you're right. The nibs, the, the nibs. No, no, no. Obviously. Uh it's
1: not bad. I I tell you what. I've always been a fan of either just the basic knee slide. Yep. Yep. Just pure sort of emotion, sort of running and jumping, or uh, the Alan. Everyone mocks it. Alan Shearer, one finger in the air, running off. It's basic, simple.
0: Classic. Classic. Or maybe
1: a nice taunting of the away fans. If yeah,
0: yeah. That's actually, yeah. Sam Smith anywhere near uh, any one of Cambridge's rivals is always a good thing. Well, hopefully we'll be celebrating again in the week to come, but we've got a little bit of time off now. So let's break down uh, the two games this week, starting with Shrewsbury. And we're going to do that now in the recap. Come rain or shine, it's time to relive the latest match
1: action with the recap. This podcast is sponsored by ZCZ Films, Reading's oldest ultras.
0: All right, Shrewsbury 3, Reading 2 uh, at the Select Car Leasing Stadium on Saturday. Um Ryan, I feel like a lot of us went into this game, you know, especially after the Port Vale result, um thinking that this was one that we could get another 3 points in. Um but obviously things started going off the off the rails pretty quickly. Um why don't you run us through some of the goals from yesterday and and, and your take on on some of those?
1: Yeah, so in all honesty, the game as a whole, I was kind of hoping that we'd be able to get three points from. Uh, I wasn't massively impressed with Shrewsbury as a whole. I just thought they capitalised on some just some errors in running play in general. I mean, if you look at the goal that was scored after, what, about a minute, um, it starts off with a, with a few errors. Savage tried to clear a long ball upfield and it hits Smith and then it comes back towards us, goes out for a corner. The corner itself, I the marking to not see the guy on the edge of the box for a start is... It's mm-hmm. something. And then the, the, they're very slow at closing him down. And yeah. w- once again, we're seeing David Button with some questionable goalkeeping. I know a lot of, there's been a bit of debate within the last few hours on Twitter because there was a clip that came out that showed it deflected off Kelvin E. But for me, if you look at the way that Button sets himself, he's, he's flat-footed. It's mm-hmm. not too far away from him at all. His hands weren't particularly strong and he should really be saving it. It already it's it puts us on the back foot already right you look at the second goal uh in real time i i was blaming binden i thought oh he's been muscled off too easy there i've watched it back and the runner uh, Tom Bayless from midfield seeing that ball go over the top and savage maybe should have tracked him uh it was a r- it run from deep but the back line was a little bit over the pace binden was 5 yards too deep mm-hmm. you look at the line
0: yeah it's a tricky um, one, right? When I'm, when I'm like training uh, like strikers and, and things like that in, in like coaching things, I'm trying to tell them to like run behind um, players so that they're in their blind spots and everything. So on the one hand, like he's kind of in Savage's blind spot. But when you pointed out that run that, that Savage misses there as it, as it comes towards Binden and Button, I, I thought that was a good pickup um, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a, a runner from deep.
1: Yeah, and uh, when obviously when you go 2-0 two nil, two nil down after four minutes, I think the, the reaction from the whole stadium was one of stunned silence. It was kind of like, oh, what, what's happening right. here? No, no, one, no one was really expecting it. But then weirdly, because it was so early, and especially since our recent results, there, either, there was kind of a feeling of, oh, it's fine. We'll kind of get our way back into it, which we did. Obviously yeah. scoring just inside the 10 minutes. That, that was a good play, I thought, from Reading there. Um, good press to force the mistake and the mistake being the long kick forward that we capitalise on uh, mm-hmm. and I, I think you may have touched on it with some of your analysis recently but I, I thought the build up play down the right hand side where Yeadon kind of moves into the half space you've got a Z sticking to the wide yep. space started off there Smith some great movement it was a great ball by Nibs and obviously good finish there
0: yeah, I thought it was a good game from Nibs overall. Um, definitely. Yeah. I think there was a stat that came out, I think, earlier this week that he's got the second highest number of tackles, uh, in, in all of League One this season. And it just doesn't surprise me. There's a little uh there's a little playlist now that's sitting on the side of my Y Scout account called Harvey Nibs Wins the Ball. And every time I find a, a nice little clip of him winning the ball and then getting a counterattack or something off it, it goes straight into there. He's really been an asset in in that. Um in that in that style.
1: He's a counter pressing machine some may say Yes. So yeah. Klopp would love I'm sure. Yeah. Um and then obviously the second goal from Kelvin massive deflection to go in but again I thought it was good hold up play by Smith. Um I thought Smith actually had a fairly decent game. Uh and then the third goal uh that Shrewsbury scored. I I was watching it back and obviously at the time I th- Going into that, what was it, five added-on minutes? running were looking really tired and really while, kind of yeah. sloppy and slow. And when you, when you sort of stop it and have a look, when that corner kind of goes back to Shipley, you see three running players try and press the ball and they're then beaten by one pass. And to me, that was just tiredness. Like, they look mentally tired and ready for half-time. It's no excuse because Bloxham had w- way too much time, way mm. too much time to have that shot. And again, are we questioning David Button's goalkeeping there? It was a better finish than the first one, but it was certainly sort of, I think you said in your match report, it looked within sort of reach.
0: It's, I just, I'm I'm yet to see him at full stretch. Um, for reasons that aren't to do with his positioning would, would be my issue like when i see him at full stretch and there is a good example against portvale uh on tuesday whereby he'd gotten himself flat footed kind of like you talked about and then he had to push himself out but he's not getting that far across his goal in that um it's a good finish you know you're gonna you're trying to curl around the goalkeeper for sure and it makes it tricky but I don't, from from my perspective, I don't think the angle shows that Button is at full stretch for that, um, for that third goal, and that worries me because that happened against Portsmouth too. The second goal, um, you can kind of see Button puts his um, Button puts his right arm out and he starts to go for it, and then he pulls it in again, and and whether it's a positioning thing, a decision making thing, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, certainly a little bit worrying.
1: He's most certainly one of the like the least agile goalies I think I've seen. Uh, we were talking a bit before we started recording about his set position, and mm-hmm. he always seems to be not fully setting himself, very flat-footed. His set position with the first goal yesterday I thought was poor, and naturally as a goalie, like that's the that's the thing you're supposed to be amazing at that will make your agility and your reactions and your re- reflexes so much better. You right. look at the stats as well, and he's got the second lowest save percentage in the league and uh minus 4.2 xg
0: uh, yeah he's yeah up. he's behind his numbers and that keeps dipping um there so there'll be a video coming out next week um with with further deep dive on him and and we'll talk a little bit about his issues with cross claiming what he is good at what he's not good at um because there are a few things that he is good at and there are reasons um that he's been brought in but at this stage in the season you know we're 33 games in or 35 maybe for for Reading I think and to be that far behind your stats and then to also be low on save percentage and he went down yesterday and in, in terms of those stats he was he was actually sitting like fourth bottom before the game yesterday and, and now he's dipped even further down so it's yeah it, it's really really tricky let's talk a little bit about the the second goal scorer for for Reading i'm interested in your thoughts on uh Kelvin on the left side because i think that that's been it's been something that Ben and I have been debating, something that, that Sim and I have been debating a lot, whether we think you know he's a, a good option there, a solution, or, or just sort of a band-aid. Um, be interested in, in your thoughts there, Ryan.
1: Uh, ooh, what I call him? I wouldn't say he's quite a band-aid because I think he's not bad, but I wouldn't say mm-hmm. he's the final solution at left wing. He's a good rotation mm-hmm. option for Paul Makaru, who at times flatters to, de- to deceive. Yep. I get frustrated with E quite a lot, though. There's a whether it's his final ball or he, even if it's a, I think he had a headed chance on Tuesday night against Port Vale, which I thought he could have done better with as well. His yep. final product is, I'd say, lacking that little bit.
0: Yeah,
1: um, he's not a bad option though at left wing. Don't get me wrong. I, I I've been more impressed with him at left wing than he up front recently. That's what that's I
0: yeah, I would agree with that. He's very good at that kind of run. Um, you're almost entering the the penalty box, very very low down on the field towards the goal line, and then he's very good at taking the ball to the goal line and then getting it past the go- the defender by like almost running through him because he's so big, Kelvin. But then that final ball, like you talk about, is a little bit weak. M- my issue too with Kelvin on the left, it, it, more kind of from the Shrewsbury game. Now I was I was kind of enjoying it a bit more before then. Was that it? He doesn't quite provide the level of defensive cover um, that even Aziz provides on the right. Like I don't think Aziz is a particularly excellent um, defensive winger. Um, I do think he wins the ball back in the middle quite a lot but i don't know how good he is you know kind of covering his, his right back but i i think he's noticeably better than than kelvin um yeah
1: Blox, bloxham had a lot of joy yesterday against mola i thought bloxham was yeah. made to look pretty good my grandparents who i go to the game with my granddad said that bloxham's their best player and yeah I hadn't yeah him before the game and that again thinking of it now it could be the lack of cover from kelvin the reason why he's looking yeah. so good
0: how do you feel about Moeller after, you know, now that he's had a few weeks back in the team, obviously, you know, after Stevenage, we were all, you know, joking around and enjoying the, the Clinton-Moeller redemption arc and, and all of these things. But now that he's had a little bit of a run in the team, um, where are you at with Clinton? I
1: settle with Clinton at a halfway house between Matty Carson and Jarrell Dorset. He's nowhere mm-hmm. near as good going forward as Matty Carson, but he's nowhere near as bad to def- uh bad defensively as Matty Carson, if that makes sense. Yep, he offers yep. more going forward than Dorset does, in my opinion, because I think Dorset can get look a little bit clunky on the ball sometimes. I mean he is naturally a centre back. Recently, I mean he he's good. Is he going to be a type of player that if Reading eventually get a new owner and are looking to push out of this division that we build not build the team around but like can rely on week in, week out yeah, I wouldn't put him in that category, but he's a solid five, sort of six out of ten. But he does worry me at points. In fairness, like, I like him yesterday at time looked like I, he was on, to- on toast.
0: I like the way that you um, put that. You know, if he's going to be the kind of player that we keep around, you know, once once we have a new owner and you know, fingers crossed, and and we can really make a, a go at the league, you know, hopefully next year or the year after, if there has to be a year of consolidation, obviously. Um, and I think we're getting to the point in the season now, you know, 11 games left, only 33 points available, um, that we have to start thinking about that, right? Like, I think there are two categories of player within this very new squad opening it up. And that's the players that could probably come with us all the way to mid table in the championship if they continue to improve. So I'm thinking players there like Harvey Nibs, Tyler Binden. Um, I think Michael Craig and Charlie Savage, despite their, issues at age 20 are going to continue to develop um and, and can get better and, and probably play in that league as well but there are a few now that it, it's becoming clear i think are, this is where their level is and they might not even be um where we need them to be to you know to, to get out oh. of this league um my biggest issue right now is probably on the left side and I think we'll talk about this a little bit later in the mailbag but we're very right side dependent in terms of how we attack. I think that Ruben has tried to um assuage this a little bit by having us attack more and more down the center and since I made the build up video towards the end of the year um we've kind of improved almost going through the middle since Abby left which is kind of impressive. Um, I think mbenge has been better there than than I predicted he would be he's, for sure. Kind of
1: a replacement that we didn't. Yeah, know we had. Yeah. And, oh, you see him there, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. And and he's been better. He was pretty good playing the ball forward yesterday as well, which is, yeah. um, which is pretty impressive. So he took eighteen yeah. long balls yesterday, connected on ten of them. Um, which when you're you know when you're chucking them up there for your for your what is Sam Smith smaller than six feet tall? Um, yeah, like it's it's impressive that he can do that. Yeah, what well,
1: just quickly on Mbengu as well is that one one way I would summarize Mbengu if I were to summarize him in one word is unorthodox. Yeah, whilst whilst he's good, he's really good, but sometimes I do look at him and wonder if he knows what he's gonna do next.
0: We do Which, still have the moment from this season, the Cheltenham away own goal, of course, where Mbengue yeah. had time to clear it and he smashed it into Button's legs and then uh, yeah, into the back of the that, net.
1: I think I want to say it was Stevenage where there was just one clearance where I think he almost tried to do a bicycle kick. I'm like, what, what are you doing? What he's do you do, he's, he's maturing,
0: don't get me wrong. But sometimes I do look at him
1: and go, oh my God, what are you going to do next? But
0: Yeah. No, I think he's still though in my list of players that I, I think could play... You know, I mean, he did it last season, right? So I think he could yeah. play towards the bottom third of the championship. Oh, I'm not sure. sure if he's one that could challenge with us, um, but you never know. He's still young as well. There's so many young players on this team that could continue to develop. Yeah, I want to briefly touch on Port Vale. Um, obviously, um, we had a fantastic goal from from Lewis Wing uh, in that one, and then I think a really a goal that was indicative of. The spirit and the energy in Reading's team um, for for Harvey Nibbs's goal for the for the second, um, but of course uh, one of the main things that happened, um, if you haven't seen, uh, the Supporters Trust chair Sarah Turner, who came on with us last week, was able to meet with John um, before the game um, and and just get a, a sort of thank you for the for the money that was raised uh, for the statue. So I believe uh, in t- in total they raised almost a hundred thousand pounds for that and reading fans chipped in around 9000 um of that so you know outside of uh outside of stoke on trent i think uh the the berkshire area um will will have been very invested in that versus other areas so
1: really? It was a very nice moment, to see. To be fair, on Tuesday when he got put out at halftime.
0: Um, oh yeah, you were so you were there, were you, Ryan? Yeah,
1: I, I I was there on Tuesday. I was there at halftime. I wasn't kind of expecting him to be brought out. I saw before the game that he was there, but uh, yep. when he came out, said thank you, and sort of everyone starts applauding as well. It was, it was, it was really sweet. To be fair, um, I didn't yeah. know too much about him as well. To be fair, before the whole, I, I think I saw on Twitter like the link to donate, uh, and I, I just did a little bit of digging into him. To be fair. He had 843 games as Port Vale's manager, which was yep. quite impressive in the 80s. Uh, and one one quote I saw on his Wikipedia was he would be car- cast in the role of chief cook, bottle washer, gaffer, chief coach, chief scout, press officer, psychologist, psychiatrist, and chief negotiator due to oh their lack of budget at times. So you can see why they're trying to build a for him. Yeah, seriously. He did seriously, a lot for that
0: club, by but- it sounds like at times he almost was that entire club, um, which yeah. is really impressive. I asked Ben this a few weeks ago: Who would you, if if we were to build a statue, you know, outside of the Medeski, who would you, uh, who would you go for in in Reading FC history? It's a tricky one, isn't it?
1: Oh,
0: there are I some options mean, out there. We so, last time we talked about Eamon Dolan. We um, talked about Sir John, obviously um but who you think uh, john's
1: yeah. probably the obvious one so john's probably the obvious one that pops the mind because obviously yep. the stadium is, i still class it as the majasi stadium yeah 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 steve Coppel is really hard to overlook because of the yep. 106 i mean we're seeing Leicester struggle a little bit now i don't want to jinx it i don't want i've seen a lot of running fans getting excited to touch wood it's looking like may may i don't know this, this still could happen but it's a hard record to beat and for yeah. someone who masterminded probably one of the greatest achievements i think in english football and not no, no one talks about it enough but steve yeah. probably gets my vote if we're going outside the obvious sir john
0: i um, think i've got one more would be um i want a statue of uh the are we up moment from joe b McEnough, where he's sort of like running <laughs> running by the touchline yeah you get that right outside the hotel as you're uh coming around i think that would be a great moment it would be nice to have something like that um if the, yeah. um so i'm i'm a i'm a boston bruins hockey fan over here and uh there's a famous goal that was scored um when uh when a player was tripped right as he scored it when they they won the championship on that goal yeah. basically so he's celebrating up in the air when it, like flying like superman almost and they have the statue set up like that outside of the stadium and it's just it, it's become like a touchstone moment when you uh, when you arrive, you know at the stadium, you take your picture with Bobby, and then you move on and, and you go on in afterwards. Yeah, yeah exactly. So uh, it'd just yeah. be nice to have our I mean, own. Got... Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got what the Dolan. I I personally quite like the Eamon Dolan, like me too. It's made up of all the academy players. That's quite nice. And obviously, yeah. you've got the p- picture. The other thing that I find weird around the stadium is you know the what they did a few years ago where you could get your face put on the side of the stadium. You can do your face. I, I knew you could do a brick oh okay interesting uh yes so, before the 150 anniversary i'm actually on there funny okay enough. i'm I, nice. i'm on the majeski stadium um but they've put it by the away fans which Perfect. really annoys me because yeah, no yeah. oh
0: i do remember that actually fans. yeah so, like, yeah there you it would go it'd be
1: nice if they could put it on the east end but
0: you have to, you'll have to petition them. Yeah. We'll see what we can do. Well, all right. I think we've uh, we've yeah. chatted about the, the week that was. So let's uh, let's move on into the mailbag. I uh, got some so got some good questions to go through today. Uh, so we're going to do that right now. Keep up to date with all things Reading FC. Follow the Tilehurst End on Facebook and Twitter. This podcast is proudly sponsored by ZCZ Films. Remember, if you want to get involved in sponsoring the show. Drop us an email to the end at gmail.com. Right. Mailbag time. So not the not the biggest mailbag today. So I thought what we'd do in a moment is go through sort of a relegation run in and, and talk about you know, where we're at with that now that we're towards the last few months of the season. Um but we do, of course, have some some great questions. So thank you to to everyone who who did ask. Starting with Bobbins. Um, good old Bobbins. I'm sure he'll be back at some point before the end of the season. Um, So I'm going to pitch this one to you, Ryan. Bobbins asks, will our lack of depth uh, in the striking department especially bite us in the end or will we manage to get away with it? So
1: in regards to that, I think it's already been costing us a little bit. Now, Mm -hmm. yesterday and on Tuesday night, I think you could see quite a bit of tiredness sort of kicking in in certain, in certain players. I mean, Nibs, I saw a stat that I think he's played uh, almost every minute or something ridiculous. He's yeah. been playing non-stop. And if we're talking attacking positions, I know he mentioned strike, but if we're talking attacking positions, what we're looking at, Aziz, Nibs, uh, uh left wings change quite a bit between McHara and Kelviny and Sam Smith. Aziz and Nibs, I worry about the depth because we don't have a natural replacement for them. Like, yep. You take Nibs out of that team, you're not going to get another like ten in there that's going to, as we spoke about earlier, win all those tackles and be good at the defensive part of the game. I don't think we've got anyone else that offers that. Yeah. And Aziz, likewise, when we play Ben Elliot out there, I think they're two very different players. Elliot's very good at keeping the ball, maybe taking on one man, but he hasn't got the natural pace that Aziz Aziz has just to sort of blitz past them and stick across in the box. Striker wise, I thought it was interesting Bobbin to mention this because when you look at it, well, we got Smith, who is obviously we've seen the impact of him in the team and out of the team. He's come in sort of since his injury and he's been he's been doing really well. But outside of that, obviously we've got Kelvin that can play there. Jaden Wareham obviously came on yesterday. So yep. there's an option. I know he's not proven, but he's been scoring for fun at 23s level. And even Jamari Clark, who I'm not I'm not sure what happened to him recently, but I know he's back amongst the 21 so if something were to happen to Smith no hopefully it doesn't but there are options there it's Aziz and Nibs the two that I worry about with the depth that they that just concerns me more because we don't have the natural replacements for them to come in I think our level of performance will go down even further without them
0: Ben has been on the the Jaden Wareham train um all season he's been enjoying watching him with the the under 21s and I haven't seen enough of him yet really to make a, a you know any final thoughts on him I don't think but the the brief bit of eye testing I've been able to do suggests to me that he profiles somewhat similar to Sam Smith yeah. um in that he's not the tallest guy ever but he's got some he's got pretty broad shoulders and he runs he like can run a bit. He can run a bit, yeah, yeah, and he definitely gets around. He, he puts in a lot of effort he whenever he's on the field. Well. Oh, what's that, sorry?
1: I said he looks a decent finisher and can run about a bit as well, which is definitely. similar to Smith. Similar to Smith as definitely. As well. uh, just quickly on Wareham yesterday, one thing, I'll just go back to Shrewsbury quickly. One thing I did notice, which I thought was interesting from Sellers, I'm not sure if you picked this up as well, is the sub that he made to change on for Wareham. I did feel a bit bad for Wareham because you clearly saw that the players themselves were a little bit confused. I think we went to a three at the back and it kind of mm. stunted the kind of build up. We weren't building up very well. We were kind of panting it a little bit. And I wouldn't say yes, there was a fair opportunity to judge him. I I think there is more to come from him. And I think at times it will be make more sense to bring him on, give Smith a little bit of a rest and change the game a little bit more. Yeah. But yeah, I'm definitely concerned about the depth for Aziz and Nibs.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I think the 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 depth, the lack of depth isn't gonna hurt us too much, more before the end of the season, just because we're gonna get uh quite a few weeks now where we only have one game a week, which is useful. There's only a few more midweek games left, and then obviously the Easter stretch is always um pretty busy as well. Um, but I think the the players, the first team or at least half of the first team is good enough. Not just for the relegation fight, but they're good enough to make a playoff push next season, in my opinion. Um, but there's definitely players like we talked about that need swapping out that aren't ready to go up with us in the, in that sort of um, style. And and I definitely think that we need to add. Uh, I would say a striker, uh, a left winger, a left back, and a goalkeeper are my are my primary things um, I for the off season.
1: On the left back and goalie point of view, I think they're definitely two of our weak points.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna ring my bell for DeJuan Jones, uh, the the American left back who is absolutely electric.
1: I'm going to need to do some research into him because uh, I've, I've heard you speak about him a few Give times. Give him a go. I, I, him I watched
0: much. him last night. The Rebs opened up their season in the MLS and um, just a, it's just a fantastic left back. He does everything you want. Defends well in his own box, but also gets forward and, and puts good crosses in, um, which is what you want in your left back. Next question That's then. Let's, let's right go here. on to that one. So Sam Richards, thank you, Sam. Um, Sam says, Yesterday showed how overly reliant we are on attacking down the right-hand side. Uh, Shrewsbury had a defensive overload every time on their left, which made it difficult for Yidam and Aziz to find any space. Sam says the issue for him is Mola's lack of ability and intent to go forward on the left. So I, I think um, Reading definitely attacked more down the right-hand side, and it's partly necessity. They have better, more settled players uh, on the right hand side since December, I think Yedom has been pretty good uh after kind of reaching the nadir of his season with that sending off from the bench. I think he's he actually the improved
1: again that was the only game from what I remember i wanna say
0: yeah, I yeah, I think you're right, specialist. yes, and just an odd one, just a really odd one but but since then obviously Yidam's been much better Aziz has a shout of having been our player of the season obviously um I think that it's somewhere That's between great. him Nibs and and wing right now for me um is, is where the oh and, and a loose loose shout for Tyler Binden but I don't think he's been quite as you know as a as important as as those other players I'm always gonna go after Tyler I love him But, um, yeah, no, I, I definitely think that, like I was saying with that, where we need to improve next season, balancing out the attack and getting a left winger who can hold the width and actually scare opposition, you know, fullbacks in the same way that Femi can, um, I think that's going to be hugely helpful, but what do you think, Ryan?
1: Yeah, uh one thing I would say is sort of he, he mentions the lack of Molo's attacking ability and whilst it would be great to have a left back almost in the Trent mold that would go forward and whip crosses him for fun, we do have to have kind of the balance. I think Dorset's too much on the defensive side when he plays. I think going forward he can be a bit suspect at times. He's not bad, but he can be a bit suspect attacking, but he's good defensively. Yep. Uh casting is the complete opposite in the terms of attacking wise he can cross a ball he's quite good going forward, but defensively you always kind of grit your teeth. Yeah. Mola, whilst not being amazing, is that kind of in-between. Is like He's never going to be as good as Carson going forward, I don't think, but he's not as bad as him defensively and he's not he's better than Dorsett going forward but not as good as Dorsett defensively. So I think he yeah. sits quite nicely. And I, I also think if we were looking to kind of, I don't know if we would, but mirror the right side of build-up where we have the fullback kind of going into the half space and the winger staying wider. Mola profiles slightly better for me at doing that than a cast and a Dorset would.
0: I would agree with that. Mola, um, so there's been a few times this season where Reading have used the inverted fullbacks alongside, kind of playing the ball forward with a long ball from from wing. Or when sometimes when Savage is playing that six on the left side, he'll do it as well. And Moeller's pretty good in the air. Um, he can knock down a ball. Sam Smith is isn't bad in the air either. Um, but the problem with Moeller is obviously the duels on the floor, uh, are where he Not struggles. Right. He gave away. Not Did right. he get booked so yesterday for giving away the foul outside of the box? I can't remember. He got booked recently for a similar free kick maybe he didn't No, oh no he got booked for some he got booked for something i can't quite remember i think it might have been an argument later on actually with the referee so we'll see but
1: it was probably yesterday to be fair because the ref was a bit controversial he milded me up a little bit in fairness so okay it yeah. been yesterday
0: well less said about referees the better is uh is my usual uh go-to there Let's talk then a little bit about the uh the relegation run in, because we're we're getting close now to the end of the season, obviously. Uh the next game that we play will be in March. So we're we're down to the last, what, two, two and a bit months of the season. Reading Scary sit... I uh, it's it's incredible, isn't it? Reading sit 16th uh, on 38 points. Um, that puts them currently five points ahead of the relegation zone. So Cheltenham and Port Vale, both having played three games, fewer Cheltenham are sitting on 33 points, Port Vale on 31 points. The other teams, uh, I'm going to go from Wigan down in the 13th place. So with Wigan 13th with with 41 points you've got Exeter with 40, and then you've got Wickham Reading, Cambridge, Burton, and now Shrewsbury as well. Um, with, with 38 points, putting us five points ahead of the drop. Shrewsbury and Charlton, um, oh no, sorry, Charlton with uh, 34 points, just one point above the drop. Uh, but they have picked up three draws in the last three weeks against uh, decent teams, promotion-challenging teams. So whether that'll continue once they you know, they start to play weaker teams, who knows? Um, but it's all to play for in that relegation fight i still don't i'll preface by saying i still don't think reading um are gonna go down this season but ryan are there any particular teams I'm that done. are are worrying you uh at the moment and look destined for relegation
1: so two teams that i think aren't being spoke about in terms of relegation but i think a it- Definitely ones to look at. First one would be Cambridge. They've lost their manager midweek. Neil mm-hmm. Harris has gone to Millwall. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. gone to Millwall. And sort of when you're a manager down at this stage of the season and it wasn't due to sacking him due to poor results, or I know they haven't been in the best of form anyway, but you look at that and there's a recipe potentially there for free for all. I think they might actually creep in and go down at 22nd. I didn't particularly rate them when we played them. I thought that was more Reading being poor. And Wickham are worrying me. I have a good friend who's a Wickham fan. And although they've just got to the was it that, the Bristol Street Motors Trophy Final, yep. um, he does not rate Bloomfield at all. He thinks he's inexperienced, ineffective attacking-wise. They're, they're just not a particularly good team. I wasn't impressed with them when I went to Adams Park earlier in the season. And they're worrying. I don't think they go down, but Again, it's one of those where they could creep in. If yeah. you're looking at the teams already down there, I think maybe a Cheltenham could save themselves. I, I, they've got more games in hand than anywhere else. I know it's fixture congestion, but they've still got a few teams to play down near the bottom, and I, I feel like they might be able to pull clear. Darren Moore at Port Vale was always going to be a good managerial addition, so it's. One of them two will survive, I think, and then I can see Cambridge falling in. But I definitely think Reading, Shrewsbury, Charlton. I, I don't want to jinx it. I hate doing this with Reading, but I like to think we have enough. I I do. I yeah. I can't imagine us being in too much trouble. If I look, I, at the I spots, think we've got
0: enough. I'm it's... I'm not I'm not super concerned by the loss yesterday. I think that um, this is for me like what this is the issue with having a below average goalkeeper is that sometimes you're going to cough up things that completely throw your momentum off. Um, I talked a little bit about how the momentum of the middle half hour of the match is really important last week. Um, and it's something that gets talked about in, in NFL, you know, hand egg football all the time. Um, teams and coaches will try to, they'll try and bury, um, teams during that 30 minute thing. So if they get into a lead early on, they'll go really hard in those 30 minutes in the middle, just trying to put the game away, basically. Um, and, and it is where huge momentum swings can happen. Just a quick note on Cambridge, um, that you, that you pointed out, um, they've got some tough games before the end of the season. Um, they've got more midweeks than we do. They have to play Stevenage yeah. away. Uh, they have to play Bolton away. Uh, they have to play us away, which, which could obviously be a tricky one. They've got Barnsley away, Blackpool, that's a and Derby at home, so that's a really tricky uh, run in for.
1: I, I could I could see them sliding in, to be honest. They're the, yeah. they're the one that I look and go, yeah, potentially. And also, just as I say, Wickham's lack of attacking impetus. I mean, I th- I still think they have enough.
0: But it, it, I like that. Fun. I like your Cambridge punt. No, I'm I'm really I'm really into that. Good spot, Ryan. That's a that's a good one. I unfortunately think Port Vale are going down.
1: Yeah, our, our friends at Port Vale would be nice to see him go up, but I. take if there was if there was four if there was three instead of four relegation places, I would be very confident in Reading staying up. It's mm-hmm. that elusive fourth spot that I don't know why they have it in League One, but it's it's annoying because 'cause I'd be yeah. confident otherwise. Because I think it's there's just... three worse things than us, but it's like one of those where it's like points deductions you could sneak in as the fourth
0: right right yeah that would that i mean that would obviously let, let's just uh, touch wood cross our fingers all those kinds of things that oh, okay. the point seductions aren't aren't coming down the pipe yeah yeah port Vale, for me unfortunately i, I do think our, our friends over there are are heading in the wrong direction i thought darren moore is a really interesting pickup um i like darren moore i think that he and we spoke about this with sarah last week i think he's been hard done by in his career a few yeah. times so far. I think he's run into some bad situations. And he ran to Chancery at Sheffield Wednesday, which just caused him issues. Um, I don't think he even started the season in the championship, did he, after he got them promoted? Yeah,
1: yeah. So he literally from what I remember, he left like a week or two afterwards because I don't think they were gonna give him much of a budget.
0: Right. And then I think right.
1: the Huddersfield manager either got no, I think he got appointed as Huddersfield manager for the start of the season. Yeah, had a bit of a poor start there. But I, I don't fully know what's going on there. I think they might be going through a bit of a transition stage as well because yeah. obviously they were poor last season. And it felt just one of those. So they just get rid of the manager for the...
0: Right, just out. for the shake-up. Yeah, yeah. Just to see it if it does long, anything.
1: long goal for Darren Moore, though, at Port Vale, which I thought was interesting. They've obviously got faith in him for the future that even if the worst happens and they go down, I mean, I'd back him as the best manager in League 2 to start off. I thought he was one of the best in League 1 last year. So
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: League 2, would be a very good pickup. So they've obviously got faith in him. He's the I only think,
0: reason why I can see Port Vale standing up. I think it'll be in yeah, I think it'll be interesting and my only thing that worries me with him is that I see him and I'd be interested in your opinion. I see him as a manager who sets up a team well and makes them kind of tricky to beat, tricky to score against. It took us a while to score against Port Vale even though they weren't offering a whole lot. Um but I think that he's a as a manager who puts that structure in place and then needs his His quality players to go out there and make the little differences, the small little moments where you, you know, you beat your fullback or you put in a really good shot. Um, and I'm a little bit concerned for Darren Moore that at Port Vale he doesn't have the talent available to him to actually make that work for him.
1: Basically, I'd agree. I wouldn't say they've got a particularly marquee player that you can, they haven't got Barry Bannon from his Barry Sheffield Wednesday team that you can sort of hang your hat on and go right here, do something good. They haven't really got that. They're not a bad, but they aren't. They aren't great, but they're not terrible. If I if I look at their squad, they're not terrible. But I do worry about them.
0: Last thing I'll say on the relegation battle: if Cambridge do end up going down, then then Sam Smith and and Harvey Nibs made the right decision in the uh in the summer. We can say they
1: already made the right decision. They don't need to worry. Even if Cambridge don't go down, they they've got a perfect place in Berkshire.
0: In Love it. I can't. All right, perfect. I can't top that, uh, listener So I'm going to end the mailbag there, and, and we'll hop on into the the preview for the 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 game against bottom of the league Carlisle. Um, so we've got the long trip up there, but just a short break, um, and we'll get into the preview. There's
1: another huge game ahead for the Royals, so be loud and be proud for the
0: big match preview. Right, Carlisle. So uh, the home fixture for this one, a 5-1 victory, um, an important victory too. Saw uh, Femi Aziz kind of breaking his duck, uh, hitting the ball into the back of the net on the half volley with all of the anger and energy of a man who hadn't scored yet that, that season. Um, and, and obviously a, a great result for Reading at that time, you know, right at the start of the the upwards momentum that they've been on. The reverse fixtures here, um, obviously, I think most Reading fans will be looking for, for three points. Carlisle is seven points adrift of 23rd, um, let alone being 14 points uh, adrift of, the, of safety right now. Ryan, how are you feeling about this one and, and what result do Reading need to get?
1: When writing my notes before the podcast, uh, I have one sort of phrase in massive capital letters, which is under the worry section near Scotland. Now, to <laughs> me, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but to me in my head, that's making it automatically hard to go. The fact that they're going so far—it's the furthest northern away day—and uh, they're bot- uh, they're what fourteen points adrift of drift relegation zone. Yep, I'm. I like to think of myself as a semi-optimistic running fan, but to me, I'm like, oh. However, however, I think we have enough. I, I I don't think they're very good in quality. I know they lost Owen Moxon. I think he went to uh, he went to one of the teams we played recently, Portsmouth. He went to Portsmouth in January. Okay, yeah. he was their best midfielder last season, uh, one of the best creators. He's gone. Uh, they've lost their last five on the bounce as well, and they've not won since New Year's Day.
0: So yeah, it's eight on the bounce actually. Eight on the eight bounce. Eight
1: on the bounce. Oh, oh no. Yeah, it's so awful. Hopefully. With our quality, uh, I mean, it showed in the reverse picture at home at the Mazda that we were, I'd say uh, we, we were comfortable the better team. We won 1-5-1. We're obviously the better team. Um, yeah. But I think we've got enough quality. We have a full week of prep and uh, hopefully be looking to bounce back after yesterday. I'm yeah. confident but cautious. Uh, but I'd like to think Aziz, Nibs, Smith, Wing, a week's rest behind them. They're cook and we'll hopefully get a few goals if I'm putting money on a score, two-one Reading.
0: That's it. Yeah, I I like that. I'm expecting something very similar to the Wigan game a few weeks ago. Um, the the Wigan away game. Uh, whereby Reading dominated much of the game and much of possession. Um, but they weren't able to score that day, and, and Wigan won that game with a, um, with a with a nice goal. Another one again, where I'm I'm just not going to talk about David Button right now. Um, but. Yeah, I don't see it being a 5-1 or or a massive drubbing like it was the first time. Um, I would think that, you know, Carlisle are going to want to try and keep it somewhat tight. But that said, last time they played at home was uh, against our friends, our new friends, Cambridge, um, and they lost 4-0. So clearly they're they're conceding goals um, at a pretty decent rate. Are there any players that you feel at this stage could do with a, a decent performance? And obviously, you know, the the bottom of the league team should be a team that you can build some confidence against.
1: Oh, I'd I like to see. I know he scored a deflected goal yesterday, but a, a good kelvin E finish. Like I'm talking maybe a nice one-on-one with the goalie slots in the bottom right-hand corner just a little bit of confidence behind him and is maybe build his composure a little bit in the final third a little bit more yeah um, Aziz again he had a really difficult day yesterday I thought I definitely thought it was one of his poor performances and the last thing we want is that man losing confidence again so if he can grab a goal hopefully another screamer and sort of or even assist or work where he does something really positive I mean I know he's still been in good form but just keep building that confidence. And uh, I'll say it. I'd like to see Mbengu score just just, just for the celebration. I want yeah, to see Yeah, that's fair.
0: That's because actually a good point. Fun. I asked you about celebrations earlier. Maybe the answer should have been anything that Mbengu is getting involved in. Whatever with. Mbengu does next. That's, yeah, that's, that he should loves my it. answer. I think something I'd like to see, and I think we'll only see it as a second half substitute thing, is Ben Elia in the center of the park again. Um, I prefer him going yes. to replace like Savage or Wing there than I do to p- replacing Makairo or or Kelvin. I think we played him there, uh, what against Port Vale, and he just sort of no showed for me. Obviously, he's involved in the uh in the Harvey Nibs goal uh, where he gets his shot blocked on the line. Um, but I don't think he, I think he touched the ball something like 10 times in his half hour appearance that day. So he, he just really wasn't able to get on the ball much. However, for my money against Shrewsbury played some of the better passes that that Reading had on, um,
1: yeah, when we, when we signed Elliot, I always assumed he was going to be as sort of midfield depth sort of with your wing Savage and Craig is like the four, in you know, a kind of rotation and mm-hmm. seeing him on as a six yesterday, I thought. Yeah, He had some good touches, yeah, and I was happy that we were finally using him. What I'm thinking maybe is his natural position, because don't get me wrong, he's okay out on the right as he was a bit ineffective on the left. I don't think he can do the nibs roll to the same level nibs can, so for me, Elliot maybe as a wing rotation isn't necessarily a bad option because I feel like Elliot's got a pass in him, he's got some good movement, he can keep the ball well, and at times, defensively, he's been okay as well. I was but, yeah, yeah it would be nice to see. I, he, if Elliot started in the midfield two against Carlisle, I wouldn't be angry because I'd like to see it. i like to see it.
0: And Wing has shown us that he can cover defensively pretty well, and he likes to hang around towards yeah. the back of the formation anyway to help out and, and build up a lot. So you're not necessarily losing um, too much there. Really, um, I agree with what she said about um, Harvey Nibs uh, and that 10 position just being... I wonder if Nibs is the only player who can play the 10 position like that in a, it, it's a way that almost reminds you of when Mason Mount plays the 10 um, and it's more energetic. It's more about the pressing and getting in your face and, and trying to, you can see. So like a lot of press distance you cover. Right. Exactly. Rather than the cre- uh, I know he's got to assist yesterday
1: rather than a creative standpoint. It's, I think it's more about distance you cover.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. He, He's just, you can see, so obviously, like when, when teams are pressing, a lot of the time they want to get the ball back nearly as soon as they've lost it because that's, you know, the opposition is setting up into their attacking structure. And if you can get the ball back right then, you can hit them in a way that could really hurt them. You just watch Nibs just click into action the second that Sam Smith or Makairu or someone around him loses the ball. Um, the, the speed of thought there is just remarkable um and i don't think we have another 10 who can play in that style at the moment
1: he's he's definitely one of the more intelligent i I mean this in football intelligence not mental intelligence plus them football intelligence wise i think he's definitely one of the best his positioning is by far his best attribute he just seems to be in the right place for the tackle and even scoring the season the right place for the goal yeah it's it's a quality that i haven't actually seen many running players have over the years and I find hard, actually, to find a comparison with Nibs that I think he's very mm-hmm. unique. In the way he has. And I can see why his sellers would have... I don't know if it's sellers or Bowen that got him, but I can see why, when we're building the system, why Nibs would be so crucial for it.
0: He's perfect for it, yeah. He is... Um... He's a hell of an athlete too. Um, Just obviously like he looks a little bit lithe um, because he is, you know, he's pretty skinny is the wrong word because no footballers are really that skinny. Once you get next to them, they're like, Oh wait, no, you're a big dude. It's just that you're next to another, you're next to 21 other big dudes on the field. So you look relatively small. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I just really liked uh, one, one thing I, I mean, I was always kind of enjoying Harvey Nibs this season, but something that really um, just made me really respect him a lot was after the Port Vale game was abandoned, he, w- he was on the field uh, with his trainer and, and a couple of other guys doing like uh, sprint sessions and things like that, like up and down the field trying to get in like the experience of a game without actually playing a game so he's trying to get his body you know through that same um routine yeah and and it's so important like if you're someone who's playing football a lot um my take is always obviously like you know injuries build up and your knees start to hurt or whatever you're playing too much but the more you play the more your body almost puts up with it like if you're going week week yeah. you know week on week on week on week your body can kind of work it out but if you take a big break and then you try and come back to it um, it's, never, it's, it's, it's really hard
1: muscle, It's building the muscle memory and sort of the position memory as well i think for nibs that will probably play a factor as well as the fact that the reason why he might even be so good at winning those tackles and being in the right position is because of the amount of football he's playing mm-hmm. and the amount of situations he's being exposed to therefore right. it's just a little bit easier for him. I'm not sure if that's making sense from a science point of view, but to me, that would make sense. That... No, because I think
0: there are triggers that you look for when you're looking to press. You know, you're trying to come from the blind side. Um, you're trying to go like right away um, when you see that uh, that ball get lost or even anticipate that the ball is going to get lost and get ready to get in there and try and win it back. And I, I agree. I think Nibs has improved in all of those regards this season. I think he started the season pretty good at that um and he's continued to improve so i guess nibs is one that we're definitely saying is uh one who's coming with us for the ride uh, as, as we go on up.
1: As long as, as long as he likes yeah exactly uh, just, just exactly just you, one thing that i'm quite like quite enjoying about running at the moment is i think i saw someone say on twitter they're just a group of likable lads yeah like, uh, they're not Right, we're going to take Hutchinson out of this because I'm not... Just put him out. on the side like Reuben
0: has, yeah, guys,
1: yeah. Where he is at the moment. The right. rest, I'm not too sure about Harley Dean as well, maybe he's in the middle for me, but the rest of them they all strike me as likeable lads, they're all they're, they're just like, you see little bits in the all-access area clips where you see like Savage with the mascots and like little clips like that and you just mm-hmm. realise they're just they're just likeable lads and they're just yeah and you want to take like people like savage and you want to take nibs and aziz and Mbengu because that they're, they're like you just want to take them for the ride you want to go, come on we're gonna we're gonna go and when I we get the new ones like these are the ones you want to, around for ages
0: they're the, they're, they're the dressing room yeah. for me part of being likable is being comfortable in your skin and um being comfortable expressing yourself and and all of those kinds of things and i think that The team going through the situation in the last year that they have gone through obviously has probably brought them together in a way that makes them very or very not shy about expressing themselves with each other and things like that. Obviously, football players often like to build up that mentality in a locker room where you're having fun. You know, Meita used to like to do the dancing with the academy prospects and and things like that. But I think that the... um, you know, the bad stuff that they went through together this season has really brought them together in a, in a strong way.
1: Yeah, and you can also say that's probably down to Ruben as well, fostering that mentality as well. It's kind of like, look, everything's against us. We've got yeah. nothing to lose. To. Let's just go do it. And then they're naturally going to be that little bit closer.
0: Yeah, I would completely agree with that too. And I'd be interested to hear um, at some point soon about the role of, of James Oliver Pierce uh, in that as well, because he seems to be one that the team really um they just seem to really get on with him um so i wonder if
1: always have a little joke about him because of because of his height i always say oh they've let the kids out to play but no i love him him. no he's great he seems like a great guy bless him
0: all right well um i'm not sure we really previewed carlisle too much but uh we got a good uh bit of (laughs) nibs out there which uh which i think is uh that's what we're hoping for then is a nibs hat trick we'll go with that i'll go with a (laughs) three win. I was going to say, if I put you on the spot, what score are you going for? So you're going 3-0. Yeah, I'll go 3-0. I don't think we concede. 2-1. Okay.
1: 2-1. Nice. Nice. All right. I hate to say it, but I think Button, I don't trust him.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you've gone for the David Button result and I've gone for the Joel Pereira uh, Uh, result. Yeah. Yeah, We'll see what happens.
1: We can live in hope.
0: We can live in hope. And we'll live in hope for another week, Reading fans. Uh, Enjoy your your midweek off um And obviously, enjoy the rest of your week, everyone. Ryan, uh thank you so much for coming on today. Really enjoyed having you on. I'm sure we'll get you on again before the end of the year.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Safe trip to the 1,000 or over 1,400 of you after Carlisle this weekend. Uh, yes. And uh, hopefully, they bring back three points and it's not going to be a wasted trip.
0: And be careful going near Scotland, as Ryan says. It is a different country. So, I mean, how Pretty many countries are there in this country? My, my. All right. Well, um, have a safe week, Reading fans. Um, Let's get behind the boys on Saturday. Come on, you R's.